watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packer podcast. We're back again, it's your host, Steedy the NFL of the UK Packers, co-founder, and I'm joined on the line by uh, the other big man, the other co-founder, Mr. Ryan Peacock. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Are you? <laughs> You're very formal today. What's going on? I know, I'm trying to be polite. Is that because you uh, perhaps hit the pub before you come on the podcast? Well, that, that is slandering very much. Uh, I'm just doing it Irish style tonight. Irish style. Well, we're starting with the sort of uh, stereotypical racism stuff right, right from the bat. Nobody said that. I mean, it could be Wisconsin style, from what I from what I found last year. Well, you do have to drink responsibly. Uh, yeah, well, I got. Do you know what? We we'll touch on that, right? Uh, just to tell the listeners, UK Packers heading off to Lambeau Field in October to watch the Cowboys and the Packers Lambeau Field. So we want to talk about that. But to, as a pre- premise to that, we're going to go back and talk about last year, and that's what uh, yourself, Ryan, went on, and you had a whale of a time. But anyway. We leave that till after because you'll just talk the face off me. I think this podcast, what you know, I think what we'll do is, is we'll ease in nice and gently, right? We've got some great guests coming up in future podcasts. We're all lined up, ready to go. Uh, but for now, let's look. The the wounds are starting to heal. Let's talk about last season. I think only now can we do it. Have you gotten over the uh, insanely bad loss, Ryan? Well, firstly, I mean, you say there's great there's great guests coming up. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm a pretty great guest myself, you know. Sober, you're pretty decent. Sober, oh, yeah, but, but, but slightly drunk, I'm even better. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's, let's, um, let's test you. And, and the reason I'm slightly drunk is because, no, not really. No, I'm not over last year. Um, yeah. What I'm worried about is we've got, we've got this great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and, and I don't think... Even the Bears and the Lions fans, you know, nobody will disagree that Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. What I'm worried is, if I go back to the Brett Favre years, the fact that Brett Favre only won one in in all of his great years and all the, all the great stuff that he did, I don't want Aaron Rodgers to get to the end of his reign. And I know I'm being pessimistic right now, but I don't want him to get to the end of his reign and we're going, he was great, but he's only got that one Super Bowl because, let's face it, Trent Dilfer got one Super Bowl. Yeah. So we need to crack on and we need to get that second one. So I think, unfortunately, until we win that second Super Bowl, no, I can't be happy. Yeah, because, I mean, we, you know, we put up memes all the time on our Instagram account, right? People search UK Packers. One of them was a comparison between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in the, in the first couple of years that they were, they were in the NFL, right? And Aaron Rodgers beats Brady in every single category. But the one thing that he doesn't have and the one stat that wasn't even on the sheet was Super Bowl wins. And people kept saying, oh, you know, Patriots fans, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, he beats them in every category, but I don't see you talking about rings, right? And we were saying, look, rings are not a quarterback stat. Rings are a team stat. If you look at the losses that the Packers have faced in the last couple of years, it's been mostly down to, you know, special teams errors, uh, defense giving up too many points. Now, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is perfect by no means. However, I don't think you can, you know, persecute Aaron Rodgers for not getting the Super Bowl ring because, you know, there's over 50 players on the damn team. You know, each of them has to perform as well. You know, and I think that's unfair. But you say that, but we absolutely judge quarterbacks on rings. And whether that's right or wrong, we say 
How many rings has Tom Brady got? How many rings has Peyton Manning got? How many rings does Montana have? We, that's what we do. It's how many rings does he have? And unfortunately, at this point, we've got to kick on and get more rings. And yeah. we owe that to Aaron Rodgers. Well, if we take a look at last season, right, because from listening to all the podcasts from reading all the articles and from looking at the bookies' odds, everyone says the Packers, you know, they're favorites to win. Um, I think they're second maybe to the Patriots. So, But they're up there, you know. And uh, if we look at last year, it seemed that when Jordy Nelson went out, we were on a limb. But do you know what? I, I have an exception to that too because people keep saying – that, oh, Jordy Nelson was out and that's why we lost. If you look at the first six games, and we, we, you know, we were on fire up to the Chargers game. Now, I know that was a tight end at the very end uh, with the Demarius Randall batted the ball away to save the game. Um, and Philip Rivers put up 503 yards, which is just criminal against the defense. I mean, we were motoring. But then what teams saw was is that the Packers wide receivers, and this is Randall Cobb included, couldn't get away from press man coverage. And I think in uh, today's league, it's criminal that one tactic, which is press man, means that it scuttles your entire offense. I don't think that's good enough. I know. I don't, I, I don't know if we dwell on this too much because you have to remember that when the UK Packers went to Green Bay, they finished 6-0. and And then as soon as we left, it kind of went south. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you trying to say, Ryan? Um, the, the people of Green Bay should sponsor me to come back every year. Uh, sure. Well, every week. Yeah. Every week, yeah. Well, we'll see, though, right? Because you went over with the lads and, and ladies and you came back and they lost. I'm going over this time. Unfortunately, you can't make the trip. So I wonder what effect Steedity will have on Aaron Rodgers' well, quarterback play. I mean, generally, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the English contingent, we always have a positive effect. I, I don't know what the Irish do. You know, that's up to you, really. Well, he might end up drunk and maybe, you know, painting someone's house. Who knows? I mean, you, could you might fit right in. <laughs> I tell you, we've got more in common with the Wisconsinites than you do. But uh, yeah, so I mean, if if we were to look at last season, it just seemed like we were so close between the, you know, it's just a crazy season, but all the Hail Marys, uh, we did make the playoffs, but, you know, we got clobbered by the Vikings 2013 in week 16. Um, and then we lost the NFC North crown. It actually worked out better for us because we hit the Redskins on the road. Uh, we bet Kirk Cousins and you like that. We, you know, we handed him uh, back you on the like plate. You like that. So then we went on to the cards and the painful part was, well, Jeff Janis, first off, uh, and, you know, I, I think we need to talk about him. We do. You know, pulling the game, you know, pulling the game to a tie, uh, going into overtime, and I really felt that the momentum was with the Packers. And then the defense just crumbled. They gave a 75-yarder to Fitzgerald on a pass. And next thing you know, two plays later, he runs into the end zone to end overtime. Um, I mean, I, I, mean I, I wouldn't jump in here because, yes, Georgie Nelson has an effect. Of course he does. He's one of the league's best receivers, not just Green Bay Packers' best receivers. One of the league's best receivers. Yeah. So, of course, he has an effect. But like you said, the first six games we did just fine. James Jones came in and did just fine. Maybe is it a lack of did we make the adjustments we needed to make without him in the team? And I think that's where, when we got up against the better teams in the league, in a you know in our schedule, did we make the adjustments we need to make? Now I'm not one of these guys that every year causes calls for a coach's head, but I'm wondering. Did we do all we had to do to adjust once he went out? 
Yeah, and I don't think we did, and I don't think we strategized correctly. And there was all of that talk around, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy taking back the play calling, and he took it back um, only in game 13, which some people thought was too late. But this is my point on that, right? Is that the playbook is Mike McCarthy's. The plays, everything about it is Mike McCarthy's, right? So just because he's not calling them in a certain order, you know, people went crazy. But what I would say is, is that I think it was more of a morale thing in game 13 when McCarthy took the play call on back, um, as opposed to anything else. And I think a guy, like we said, we have to mention is Jeff Janis. Now, he's a favorite, right? Because obviously of what he did last season. But even an OTA's news came out last week that uh, Aaron Rodgers got really annoyed on one of the throws because he threw it. It was perfect. And it got intercepted. His first throw for OTAs got intercepted on a Jeff Janis aimed pass because he ran the wrong route. Do you think a guy like Jeff Janis can adapt to be a good wide receiver? Because he has all the, the tools. He's fast. Um, he's enthusiastic about his play. He's, you know, he's, he's a true Packer person. But do you, think mm-hmm. he's, do you think he can run the routes and become a great? Right. Let's, let's, I mean, Thanksgiving game, Super Bowl game. I had a lot of chats with Andy Davies. Uh, who, for those who don't know, is one of our big-time followers. Fantastic Packers mind. Um, he loves Jeff Janis. Yeah. Now, my thing is, Jeff Janis is a good receiver. As for OTAs, did he throw an interception that should have been taken by Jeff Janis? Who cares? It's OTAs. Yeah. Let's, let's care about it when we get to, to week one, not even preseason. Don't care about preseason. Preseason is just a, let's get through this without any injuries. If we find a couple of gems, then great. But let's worry about it week one. If but, if we've got that issue week one, then let's worry about it. But you see, Ryan, the thing is, right, and it's it's famously known with Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't trust you in, in practice, he won't throw to you during the game. Because, you know what, there was a guy, um, I won't even say his name to give him the publicity, he came out with a video uh, that we retweeted and asked for people's thoughts on. Uh, and he was saying, you know, Aaron Rodgers is overrated. He really said he was a good quarterback, but he doesn't get the stick that he should and that he holds on to the ball for too long. So we did get, you know, diehard Packers fans, and you're, you're well entitled to come on and say that you, something that you do and don't like because I know us at UK Packers, anytime that we put out anything on the Twitter that, oh, you know, someone should have done this or we didn't agree with that or that was a bad play, what are you doing? We get crucified by people saying, oh, you're not, a, you're not a big Packer fan. Oh, you're plastic fans. What are you doing? You can't criticize the team. Always get behind them. But no, I, I think you have to call them out, right? And I think you, you know, that uh, you'd agree with that. But they say that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't trust you, and that's why he holds on to the ball so long. So, and it was the same problem with Richard Rodgers. Apparently, Richard Rodgers, they said about him, he was terrible in, in practice. This is what we hear. But when it came game time, he was good to go. How can you trust a player who doesn't sh- really sh- translate in practice, but translate on, on game time? Well, I mean, yeah, okay, you make a good point. But I, I'm just going to say this. I mean, I, I, play, I play American football. In practice, do I put 110% in? My coaches probably don't want to hear me say it, but no, I don't. Because in practice, I know what I'm doing. I know my playbook. Uh, and, and, and okay, to an extent, I'm trying to avoid getting hurt. So when I get to game time, I'm putting 110% in. Yeah, I am. Am I going to catch every ball thrown at me? Yes, I am. Am I going to make every tackle that I've got to make? Yes, I am. Well, there's a difference between practice and there. The, the problem Janice has got is, is he is he one of those guys where he's the first name on the team sheet? Probably not yet. 
could he be? Yes. And I think that's the bit where he's got to probably work it a bit more in practice. Yeah, absolutely. But this guy can be the guy. Now, I saw on Bleacher Report and other things, can he be number three wide receiver? Now, personally, I don't know. People have said in the past he is lazy on his routes. He is uh, this, that, and the other. For me, does he make a play when we, when we need him to make a play? We're not talking in OTAs. We're not talking in practice. We're not talking on Tuesday or Wednesday when we're trying a new play. We're talking in game time. Can he make a play when he's needed to make a play? And from what I've seen so far last season, when we put him on the field and we needed him to make a play, he made a play. And for me, can he be an all, uh, you know, a straight-up baller? Yes, he can. And well, that's all I care about. And I get your point, right? And this is where and I think we'll finish on this uh, with Jeff Janis, right? Is that I'll play devil's advocate here. I, think, I really like Jeff Janis, right? And I think if you look at all the websites, everyone talks about him. Oh, he's a, very, he's like, he's a, he's a beefed-up Jeff Janis. You know, he's even got that sort of reputation for being... Uh, quick and has a lot of potential. What I will say about last season is, and I loved him for, for performing how he did, I think because teams were playing press man, they didn't expect Aaron Rodgers to let rip. They certainly didn't expect him to let rip to Jeff Janis because they didn't know who he was. In fact, an awful lot of the Packers fans, they were saying, who's this guy? So I think, you know, he had that going for him as well. But like you say, he made the play at the big time. He pulled the ball down in and he, and he was covered. One of those plays, my God, how he came down with the ball, I don't know. Um, but certainly one to watch. I think, and that's where, you know, I think we should go ahead and look at the Packers draft. Uh, how would you rate the Packers draft this year to what they needed? Were you happy with it? Well, I mean, we've had discussions before. I mean, the draft, everybody thinks that the draft is, uh, you, you you pick the best players or stuff. Draft, even right from the first to the last pick, and even the undrafted players, is a lottery. I mean, we know that from the teams that have picked the likes of Ryan Leaf and, and got it so, so wrong, when on paper it looks so, so right. Uh, and those teams, all of those teams that passed up on the likes of Arian Foster, who ended up at the Texans and being the stalwart of their run game for so many years, who went, who went all the way to undrafted. You know, what, at the end of the day, we have needs as Green Bay Packers. All the fans know. They don't need me to tell them what the, what the needs were for the Green Bay Packers. I think we hit most of those needs. But unfortunately, we, we can't really judge the draft class of this year until they get on the field and they start contributing to the Packers. And that's, and, and that's the truth of it. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, but I do think that there, there, was some, there was some good moves, I thought, in the draft in the sense that you know, there's some key elements that we need back on the Packers and some stuff that we lost that we needed being replaced. If you look at the likes of uh, Clay Matthews, where they'd moved him inside, who I thought was incredibly effective. Now, I know it's not sexy, for want of a better word, to move him on the inside because he's not, you know, darting after the quarterback, um, scaring him to death. I understand that. I understand he has that scare factor. But from looking at his stats on Pro Football Focus when he moved to the inside, he was actually more effective. Ultimately, what they want to do as a fan base and as sort of to put him on the outside, scare the quarterback and, you know, try to get him running around and just scaring the, the daylights out of uh, the opposing offense. They went out and they got um, Kyler Fackrell in round three. And I thought he was mm -hmm. the best value. Um, he's, he was known in college. Now, look, he played for Utah State and that's why he didn't get the respect that he did. Some people had touted him maybe to be near the end of the first or second day. Um, 
but they said, look, he didn't have a whole lot of competition because he played in, in Utah, right? Uh, but he's the best third-down pass rusher in the draft. Um, and I think that they should probably move. Now, he's an outside linebacker, and he's a scary guy, plenty of energy. And I think what they should do is is maybe uh, shift Clay Matthews down to the edge and have Fackrell just on the inside. And then when it comes to third down, I think they should just uh, rush the two of them. I thought he was a good pick. And you know what? That serves for the Packers because at least we get Clay back on the outside again. And another one, I think that one of the most important ones that we got was, which was surprised me and I think everybody else, was Kenny Clark, you know, the defensive tackle from UCLA. I yeah. think with BJ Raji going, we, like, we need a nose tackle. And there was all this controversy again with BJ Raji where they played him out of position and then last year they moved him back to where he should have been and he improved. But when we were looking at him two years ago and the stats were crazy, in his position two years ago, out of 63 players, uh, he was 62nd, so you know, or 61st. He, he was abominable. So he's took a hiatus. Now I don't know what that means. I don't think he can step away from the game and come right back in. But I mean, Kenny Clark, what a player! I mean, he gets upfield fast. Uh, he's he's more of a pass rusher than a run stopper. So I don't think he's really going to offer much in the run game, especially in his first year. Um, but I think that's okay because guess what age Kenny Clark is. And this will make you sick. 20 years of age. He doesn't turn 21 till October or something like that, right? So this guy is young. He's 6'3", and he's plenty of potential. So, I mean, you know, okay, if, if his pass rushing is his forte for the moment, that's fine. I'm absolutely certain that he'd become an excellent run stopper in time. So, I, you know what? I was happy with the draft. There was, there was some... There, you know, there's only really one kind of baffling pick, and that, that was Trevor Davis, the wide receiver from Cal. Um, sure. Because you know what, and I'll stop talking the year off everybody now and we'll move on. But what I will say is that, you know, the Packers got man coverage, uh, press man coverage last season that stopped them in their tracks. I think they got scared because they saw that. I think the, the Packers actually had, by statistics, the slowest wide receiver core in the NFL last year. So... If you look at the likes of Trevor Davis, now he's a fifth-round pick, so I don't think you know he's not going to slot in. And who knows if he'll if he'll last too long? Because we had guys drafted, and like Charles Johnson was drafted a few years ago. He's now playing with the Vikings. He's a fast guy. They really like him, but he dropped off the Packers team. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of an athletic guy. He's one of the fastest wide receivers in a typically slow wide receiver draft this year. Uh, but again, it's a bit of a head scratcher because I think we're relatively deep now. Uh, you know, with the likes of Jordy Nelson coming back, hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, Randall Cobb, and then of course we've tie back as well. Devontae Adams, we'll see how he pans out. And then of course you have the guys that we just spoke about, Jeff Janis, and of course uh, Wisconsin favorite uh, Aberdares. Yeah, I mean it never hurts. I mean we we are stacked at wide receiver, but it never hurts to add add weapons to that mix. And what drives somebody to be better? And that's and that's competition. Yeah. So even if you say to yourself, you know, what, I've got five guys here already on the roster. They're my five guys for next year. Add a few players into that. See who can knock somebody up. Because at the end of the day, that competition, if you knock out that fifth guy because you think you've got a better fifth guy, then, then you drive those players on to be better. And that drives the fourth player, the third player to get on better and better and better. And that only improves the Packers overall. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. And look, uh, who are we to say that you can't find value in the fifth round? If there's anybody that can find a sleeper pick, it's our good man, TT. And you have to trust in that guy because, quite frankly, he gets it right more often than he gets it wrong. Yeah, I mean, he has to be one of the most replicated GMs in the league. I mean, everybody looks at that now. 
that if you do your research properly, because look, the NFL and for us sort of Irish and British fans, people say, oh, there's too many stats. I, I can't be dealing with it. But they've only really started to properly grade college players now, like to the extent where it's like, like in premiership football or any English football where they send a scout out to sit down and watch the guy for two games. And they go, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, they're now starting to really get into the stats of college football. Um, so I think Ted might have a bit of a run for his money, but that just goes to show that they do see the value. The real value is picked up in the lower rounds more so because the top rounds, like you said earlier in the podcast, I mean, you know, Ryan Leaf, these type of guys, you know, they can be boom or bust. And more often than not, even we've saw it on the Packers as of late, some of our high picks have either got injured and has, haven't come back from injury properly or they just really haven't performed, you know. Like if you look at the likes of a player like Dayton Jones, um, of course he's playing for the Packers this year, but they've actually turned down the final year option uh, on his contract which is a clear signal that you know play well this year we might re-sign you uh, if not I, I don't know whether that tells him he's not good enough now but he certainly hasn't been uh, what everyone thought he was going to be the thing is that might be literally telling him look you need to do more and by by putting that risk factor in there he suddenly jumps his game up so that might just be a, a clever tactic by the Packers front office Absolutely. It definitely is. And on top of that as well, he was due to get, I think it's something like an extra three, four million had they went and extended his contract because it's in the Mm -hmm. NFL rules now Mm -hmm. that you have to tell a player well in advance if you're going to take that option of the, you know, the additional year on the contract. So they had to tell him and bring it out. So, you know, it's a mixture of them having to do it by sort of, you know, NFL rules. And like you said, maybe just giving him that extra incentive to push on. And look, if he does play really well and he wants to stay with the Packers, they'll sign him maybe to a one-year contract, get him on the cheap. It's Uh, win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I have to say, I just want to jump in quickly. Uh, You went on BJ Raji's facts, uh, stats, sorry, from two years back. Yeah. I think even yourself, if I give you a million pounds, you could have played better than that. Yeah, probably, and I'm a better... And, and of course, you're absolutely built to play defensive tackle. I am. I'm, I'm big, I'm tall, I'm imposing, um, I'm fat. Uh, yeah. Well, you're like 5'10", five, five, 9 stone, what? Yeah, something similar to yeah. that, I think. Actually, 5'9", maybe, and 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wiry, you know, Irish, Celtic. Yeah. Uh, good feet. Good footwork. Good footwork, yeah, that's from all the Irish dancing, what can I say? Dagger <laughs> um, alert, dagger alert. Dagger alert. Yep, so as you can hear, that was the dagger alert. Uh, so this is the time in the show every week that we go back to December 29, 2013 to the dagger play. It was Green Bay Packers against the Chicago Bears. There was about 5 million fourth downs, and they connected uh, in, during the two-minute drill to beat the Bears 33-28 with a glorious play from Aaron Rodgers, who had broken his collarbone earlier that season to Randall Cobb, and he ran it in. Fourth down. How about them apples? So, Ryan, as we're going to do every week, tell us <laughs> what you were doing when the Packers scored that dagger play. Well, obviously, before we absolutely love Julius Peppers for being a green and gold Green Bay Packer. The beast. He played for the unheard of team that play in blue and orange. The ones that can't be named. Yeah. The, the Voldemort of the NFL. Yep. And... I mean, he, I remember him charging, and then a certain player called, I don't know if you've heard of him, but John Kuhn. Is that the guy with, like, 77 uh, like U's in the name, with a few H's and an N? So I think I so. I think, I think it is yeah. spelled K-H-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-
and uh, he jumps in, cleans him out. Rogers rolls. It's either right or left. I think it was left. Yeah, it was, yeah. And there's a blown coverage in the Bears' defense, which is generally just their defense because it's terrible. And uh, Randall Cobb obviously jogs into the end zone. And uh, I think a Bears player makes a pretty poor attempt on tackling once he's already scored a touchdown, if I remember it. Yeah, I think he jumps on him. I think he was kind of celebrating with him, to be honest. Um, I, th- I, th- I think he, I think he was like, "Wow, I've never, I've never seen a touchdown being a Bears player." So he was just like, "I'm going to get involved on this. I want to yeah. celebrate. I want to hug the guy. Yeah. You know, it's great to see somebody finally go into the end zone." And so he got involved. Well, look, I mean, look around the Cubs' eyes. Jesus, I mean, you know, I'd hug him. I mean, he's he's um. Let's 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 just put it out there. He's a beautiful man. He is a beautiful man. I mean. You know, I think the two of us are nearly happily married, not to each other, uh, despite popular belief. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, he's definitely on the list of uh, 10 people for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that's the part of the show, the dagger play, um, where we're going to recap exactly. Uh, Can you remember exactly where you was? Do you know what? It's a very interesting story, right? I was, uh, it was 2013. I was sitting on my couch and I was watching the telly. What about you? Uh, I was sat on my couch, as you say, uh, yeah. or settee. Settee, okay. Jesus, that's a bit or, more posh. Sofa. Sofa, yes. For uh, the layman. And yeah, I probably, I probably drinking Budweiser and yeah, that's the same. Joe, I just got to jump in there. Drinking Budweiser or any other alcoholic beverage that is available to purchase. Of uh, course. Just to make sure and the only reason I wasn't drinking a um, Miller High Life is because they don't sell it over here. So Wisconsin, have a word. Get some Miller Highlight because that that beer is good beer. Get it sorted out. Look, do you know what? That actually leads us nicely into to tell our listeners, right? Now, if you don't know, you've been living like under a rock uh, or something because we've been doing nothing else but sending out newsletters. There's like three or four articles on our website, ukpackers.co.uk, about our Lambo trip. So we're going back to Lambo Field this year, back to Green Bay. Uh, the dates for the standard package is the 14th of October to the 17th. Um, and the trip includes flights from any airport whatsoever. I'm personally flying from Dublin. Uh, we had people inquiring about uh, Denmark. There's a girl, she could be flying down from Canada. And there's a good troop of us booked up and paid and ready to go. Unfortunately, Ryan can't make the trip this year. Uh, so I'll be heading over, but Ryan did make the trip last year. So what's included this year is basically the same as last year. You get three nights in the Radisson Hotel where the Packer players actually stay uh, the night before the game. So you'll see them sort of milling in and out. Uh, you get a full uh, cooked breakfast uh, over there. Uh, you get a big game tickets. You get uh, to meet a legend. And the legend that we're going to meet uh, this year is Jerry Kramer. So he's an absolute legend. Uh, you know, his daughter, Alicia, is a good friend of ours here at UK Packers. She's trying to get her dad into the Hall of Fame. He's in his 80s. He played under Lombardi. He won you know, the three consecutive Super Bowls, the first time it had ever been done in the 60s. Famous for... The Ice Bowl, which was the game against the Dallas Cowboys before they went uh, to the Super Bowl. Um, and it was called the Ice Bowl. Jerry Kramer made a block in the pitch of Frozen Over. Field, I should say. Pitch over here. Um, so he's really famous. He's a great guy, really charismatic, and actually personally played under Vince Lombardi. So that's a lot of fun. So as I say, you get the match tickets. You also get to go to the tailgate, free food and drink. Um, and that's where we're going to meet Jerry Kramer. It's a great, great, uh, you know, it's a dream trip really and there's loads of people going over we're all strangers most of us there's only a few that are going again 
uh, this year, not because they didn't enjoy it last year, they thought it was a blast, but it's the type of thing you can only convince the wife, you know, once every two, three years to go on. Uh, so we have a new gaggle of people and we do have uh, women on the trip. as You know, most of the people don't know each other. So if you're looking the room share, hit us up. All the prizes and information is on our website, UKPackers.co.uk. So let's just talk about last year, Ryan. I mean, from start to finish, what was your experience like in Green Bay? Uh, well, from, from the real start, obviously, I flew out from London Heathrow. Yeah. Um, I travelled down to London Heathrow about two o'clock in the morning, got for the, got to the airport half three. Uh, I knew that Russell, which was one of the guys, obviously, a lot of people that, that will be listening will know Russell. Yeah. Um, he he met us down there, so I knew I was meeting him, but there was there were several other people I was meeting at the airport that I'd never met before. Yeah. Um, we obviously flew out from Heathrow and we went into Chicago. Now, obviously, <laughs> Chicago is kind of enemy territory. Yeah. And because we were very excited, every single one of us was dressed in green and gold as we landed in Chicago. And I remember as we went through, I'm guessing they call it customs, much the same as us. But as we went, as we went through customs at Chicago to get onto our connecting flight to Green Bay, mm. I was met with a, a, a guy in the sort of the, the official security stuff. And um, he pulls me to one side, of course. So I'm I'm now going through extra security checks, yeah. and I don't know if it's got anything to do with the fact that I'm I've got the big Green Bay Letterman on. I've got the Green Bay hoodie. I've got the cheese head under one arm. Um, but I'm pulled to one side. He's asking me a load of questions, and he's talking rather quickly in this sort of I guess Chicago accent. I can't really pick up what he's saying because it's very loud in Chicago airport. Yeah. And he's asking me a series of questions. And this is this is where the best bit starts. So he's saying, you know, where have you traveled from? Where are you traveling to? Why are you in the USA? Huh. Um, then he gets to the question of, are you or have you ever been part of a terrorist organization? And because I can't really hear what he's saying, he goes, I, I go to him, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm just trying to get through it and uh-huh. get to my Green Bay connecting flight. And I don't really hear his question. So I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. All of a sudden, his face changes, and he looks at me square in the face, and he gets very close. And he says, I'm going to give you one chance to answer that question again. And he repeats the question. So at that point, I realized I was that close to missing the whole Green Bay trip and spending probably my whole week in, in Chicago airport prison, I'm guessing. <laughs> God, and so you didn't think the Packers were a terrorist organization? That's what he meant? No, I did not. But um, obviously, this this guy was was having a bit of fun with us. I couldn't really hear what he was saying. And then he went from having fun with us to uh, getting quite serious quite quickly. Well, let me jump in there, right? And just reassure anybody who's looking to come on the trip, you will not be thrown into a Chicago jail unless you say you're part of a terrorist organization. It was just a bit of fun. And, and I have to say, what, what it turned out quite quickly was, it turns out that behind me in the queue was actually a, a Minnesota Vikings fan. <laughs> and it turns out that it turns out Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit all kind of huddle together yeah. and just don't like Green Bay. And the only reason I can come up with that is because they're the inferior teams in that NFC North and they just hate the successful team. Yeah, and that's well, what I can come up with. Well, that's the thing. And you know what as well? I mean, the Packers-Bears rivalry, I think the Bears are ahead, going back since 1921, the Bears are ahead as far as I can remember. Uh, they're ahead by two games. We would have caught up on them uh, last season but we lost the game to the Bears and that would have drew it, but now we're two behind instead of one. Um, but much much like we were talking about earlier with with, with uh, how do we judge quarterbacks in terms of Super Bowl rings, Yeah, 
they might be two ahead, but how many Super Bowls they won compared to us? Oh, we are people of substance. Um, hey, that's what I'm saying. It's all well, the results business. No, let come on. Let's let's get on to the juicy stuff. Oh, let's, okay. You know, pull us into Green Bay now. So the the place itself, good place to be. Uh, I tell you, it all starts on that flight into Green Bay. So leaving Chicago, now you're coming into Green Bay, and as you fly into Green Bay Airport, you you get you fly around the stadium. Yeah. And you almost fly across the top of the stadium. And that's the first time I ever get to see Lambo as Lambo. Like not 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 on the TV, not on an internet site, not not in a picture. That's the first time I see it. And then of course you land, you get picked up, you're taken to the hotel, and as soon as you walk in the front door, you, you realise this is where the Green Bay Packers stay because there's a massive sign that tells you that. Yeah. And suddenly it all starts to hit as to, as to where you are. I think we'd We've been there all of an hour before we jumped in uh, Dave Bryan's car. And again, those those listening, most of you will know Dave Bryan from last year's trip. He drives us down into into Ashwaubenon. And I think I've said that right. Ashwaubenon is where the where Lambeau Field is. It's not actually in Green Bay itself. It's in it's just outside. Yeah. And as we're driving down, this this is the first me- memory I've got of actually being on top of the stadium and on top of all that history. I'm on the right-hand side of the car and I'm looking out the window in awe of the fact that that that, we, that we're going towards the place where I've dreamt of going for years. And as I'm looking out the right-hand side, I'm, I'm shouting to the guys, look, look out the right-hand side of the car, look, look this way, look this way. It's the Don Hudson Centre, yeah. which is obviously where, where the guys train and, you know, all that. And they're going to be, look out the left-hand side. And I'm going to, why would I want to? There's the Don Hudson Centre. And they're going, because if you look out the left-hand side, that's Lambeau Field. <laughs> and, and I completely missed it because I'm just looking my side and I'm in awe of, the, the, of this field. Yeah. And, of course, on the other side, there's, there's, there's Lambeau Field. And, and um, we pulled into the place so, and, and I got out in the car park and as did uh, had Graham, Russell and Dave with me that day. Um, and we just stood in the car park. And for, I don't think we moved for a good 20 minutes where we just stood in the car park looking at the stadium just, just trying to take in the fact that we were here. Yeah, and I mean, I don't mean to, to jump ahead, but from outside the stadium, so on game day, obviously the tailgate was a ball. When you went and went into the stadium, was the atmosphere building at the time? And was it, because they say, you know, with the bowl shape, when you go in, you're just, it's like a college stadium almost. You kind of get flabbergasted. Is it is it that awe-inspiring moment? That You have that moment. When when you walk into the stadium, you're walking up the steps. We we went in on the uh, I can't remember the exact name, but the Oneida or Oneida gate. Yeah. And you walk up this this great 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 set of steps up to the top, and you walk along into the concourse, into in, into under the seats, and even that in itself is is fantastic. And then as you walk out to the stadium, you it's I can't describe the feeling, but I remember as we got out there, I, I, I simply stopped. And you can imagine there's, there's hundreds of people trying to get out to their seats. Yeah. Um, many of those will have been before or, or, you know, go to every game day. Yeah. And I remember just getting to the end of the concourse and just stopping and just looking and blocking up the whole concourse. <laughs> like all these people are behind me trying to get to their seats and I'm just stopped. And yeah. I'm looking and I'm staring and I'm see, I can see players warming up. I'm looking at the stadium for the first time. And then, you know, somebody sort of moves you on and says, you know, get to your seat sort of thing. 
but it's that moment where you feel like you just step out there and it's like nothing you've ever seen before it does it looks it looks a hundred times better than in any photo you've ever seen it's it's a hundred times better than anybody's ever told you it is yeah. it's 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 a real I, the only way to experience that is to go there yeah and i mean that's something that we stress look if you're on the fence are you listening and you're you know you're, you're hearing brian's story and it's really jazzing you up to go go i mean you know if you can go do before you book your holiday away to you know benedorm or whatever really do consider coming over with us because we're going to try go every year so ryan went last year with the guys i was supposed to go uh but loads of stuff happened i trip fully paid for and i had to stay at home um so now i'm going this year and brian similarly has to stay at home so you know we're trying to car people over every year to to give them that experience now me personally i have never been to lambeau field i cannot wait to go uh, me and ryan obviously i think people probably know the stories about how we became fans and stuff fans for as long as we can remember so to go over is going to be an incredible experience for me so i'll be recounting on next year it's not that we're doing a yearly podcast because we're going to try to do these things you know every couple of days or at least once a week so i'm going to have that experience and i'd love to experience that with as many people as i can and capture all that on video throw up the videos onto the website and you know just have a ball of a time because Ultimately, that's what the UK Packers are all about, UK and Irish Packers. It's trying to get people over to Lambeau, trying to get people connected to the organization. You know, and we, we love the team, and come on, let's just do it. If, if you need information, go to the site, ukpackers.co.uk. And, you know, we have some really cool st- stuff to do over there. Last year, uh, the lads met James Jones, the, the Packer legend they got to meet was a man, Green, who uh, we're going to have on the podcast shortly. Um, they met Sam Barrington. They met John Kuhn. Uh, and then we'd set up before we went over for the guys to appear on the Drew on Sports Show. So shout out to Drew. Uh, that and who did you meet, Ryan? Well, just just another cool one. We were in we're after the game on the Sunday night. We'd we'd been out, and it must be now I don't know half twelve at night. Yeah. Uh, we'd been out since nine o'clock in the morning tailgating, so we were all pretty tired by this point. Uh, we went back to the hotel, and in walks in the same bar with no no fanfare, no no you know bouncers for protection nothing of that in walks mark tauscher josh sitton yeah john coon and then they walk they walk over to the corner they sit down they get their beers now as they walk in i'm thinking pretty sure that was josh sitting <laughs> but you don't say anything because you think oh, it can't be can't be why would he be in here yeah but anyway, that's, that seems common, right? Because even one of the lads was, yeah, the, he, one of the lads was getting a meal or something uh, mm-hmm. a few days after that, and who walks in? Ha ha, Clinton Dix sits down. Absolutely, has a meal. absolutely. You can be in any of the bars and restaurants around Green Bay, and yeah. there's a good chance somebody will walk in. Yeah, which is again, we're staying in the hotel that the Packer players stay in before the game. Let's mm-hmm. get back to Drew at the Drew on Sports Show, and the story behind this was we've been talking to Drew. Drew's a really nice guy. He runs sort of a a radio show. Uh, over in Green Bay in a small bar over there and usually his two guests that he had on were Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobbs we're like oh my god we can we can be one of these guys so you know with the lads being busy with playing the games he'd said okay Sam Barrington's got injured uh, he got injured on a special teams play so he looks to be the guy that we're going to meet now we're good friends we've had him on the podcast before we're hopefully going to get him on again soon as well of Sam Barrington replaced AJ Hawk you know devastating linebacker uh, you know just crazy talented so he was going to be on because he got injured because Jordy Nelson ran the call, like, you know, big time players there and they're playing the games. And it turned out uh, I got a message because I was back in sort of ground control while Ryan was over leaving, leaving the troop. Got a message from Drew saying, uh, hey, Steve, uh, 
I know Ryan and all that's in the vicinity. Uh, I've got some news. I'm sorry, Sam Barrington can't make the show. And I was thinking, oh, no, we're not going to get to see a Packer player. He says, it's actually, I'm sorry, but it's Jordy Nelson instead. And we were like, what? So, I mean, Ryan, that must have been something else to meet the man himself, was it? Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I mean, the guy's huge. Really, yeah? Yeah, and he, he sort of, we stood beside him. And, I mean, the guy was huge. He had, it sounds crazy, but the one thing I remember is he had a huge belt buckle on. <laughs> right this thing was massive yeah. and then even that he had the best pair of boots i've ever seen i mean these things were real i don't know they were like cowboy boots so these things were awesome so kind of vibe off them was there yeah? absolutely and he do you know what he's the most humble guy ever and, and, and yeah. he, he signed everything and he, he took time to listen to everybody he wasn't in a rush to get away he was just one of the nicest guys we've met on that trip yeah because kind of the jump in i mean to give because this is hopefully what this podcast will do for people. A bit of Packer banter, because we've listened to some podcasts about the Packers, and some, you know, some of them we're not a fan, and some of them we can't relate to, so hopefully you guys can relate to it. Uh, one thing that we are exposed to with the fan group is is that we're always trying to get you know Packer player interviews and stuff to, to get that little bit of insight for the fans, because some of the stuff behind the scenes is crazy. The way the players work, and I don't mean to be patronized to anybody who knows all of this type of stuff, but the way it kind of works is that each player will have an agent. Players like Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb might have maybe three or four agents for different functions, you know? And so most of these players, uh, through no fault of their own, and I'm not saying this personally about Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, but all NFL players really, uh, you talk to the agents and you kind of find that the agents are looking for an angle, aren't they, Ryan? Like they're kind of looking to see, yeah, okay, you can talk to them if you do this thing and then we've heard stories that some agents look to be paid some agents don't some agents are really nice other ones say that they'll set it up and don't so we've dealt with a lot of agents and uh you know what we're kind of told with jordy nelson was is yeah you know we'll talk to his agents to see if he'll sign something but they have different image rights and contractual agreements for certain things so they can't just sign things willy-nilly which is why you'll find players who are in shops and they're signing mini helmets and doing all this type of stuff and you people give out like oh i had to pay twenty dollars you know, sometimes that's not the, I, I nearly hazard a guess to say, that's not the player, that's the agent saying, you know, you have to value your image, so we have to put a price on it. But Jordy Nelson, I mean, everyone, because you, you, did you guys bring over hoodies and pictures and all this type of stuff? And he, he just signed a whole lot, Ryan, didn't he? He didn't really care about, you know, whether the agent said he couldn't or couldn't. He just no, absolutely. Yeah. He, he signed everything going. He, um, I mean, I, I, I whipped out pictures for yourself, but, you yeah. know, and, and, and he was just signing everything. Just a good guy. Well, there you go. I mean, I'll tell you what, we'll wrap up the UK Packers podcast uh, now, but just to give you guys a taster, that's what you can experience if you come to Lambeau Field with the UK Packers. Uh, as we said, we're going to have some nice little funny, quirky bits that we're going to bring into the podcast over the coming uh, days and weeks um, uh, from co-founder of the UK Packers, there from the beginning, The O'Brien, and from co-founder, and there from the very, very beginning, uh, Ryan Peacock, the man who set it all up. Uh, I think we bid you farewell and adieu till next time. Thank you very much for having us.